Hello, everybody. It's Sammy. Welcome to episode six of Dairy Free State, where we talk about the intersection between food and health. And when I say health, I mean every aspect of our health, every part of our body and ourselves. And that brings me to introducing our guest for today, Vanessa Opal June. Welcome. It's so good to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So to jump in, like I've been jumping in, I want to hear about what your diet is, um, about how long you've been eating that way, and what got you to that point. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Sure. So um, I've actually been eating organic, pretty much farm to table my whole life. Um, My parents have always cooked everything from scratch. I never knew what (laughs) food from a box was until I got to college and, you know, got a little taste of uh, what some of the kids were eating at the dorms. Um, Well, it was an interesting uh, experience. Um, When I was 20, I actually became a chef. And at that point, that's when I knew for sure that I wanted to, you know, continue supporting local farmers and getting things that are as, you know, local and fresh as possible. Um, It always made me feel good to eat that way. Um, Over the past four years, I actually started working as a chef for a vegan and vegetarian cafe. That was my first time cooking in that particular style, but it was actually so refreshing and so um, so inspiring that I started to adopt the um, the diet myself. So I started eating just vegetarian, and I noticed my energy started to feel better. You know, my emotional well-being started to feel better. I didn't feel as heavy or as bloated anymore, you know, once I stopped eating meat. So that was really nice. Um, Once COVID hit and we were all um, pretty much on lockdown and not being able to get out as much, my cafe also closed. So my entire, you know, routine pretty much went out the window. I went from standing on my feet for 12 hours a day, running around like a maniac. I didn't really realize that my work was also a form of exercise. So right, yeah. Now that now that I wasn't doing that physical work anymore, I noticed that I started gaining a lot of weight and at a rapid pace because it was about two months of sitting at home and not having my normal routine. So at that point, I decided to just try being vegan for a while to see if that would, you know, kind of help to mitigate some of the weight gain. Um, and also, you know, the depression and the anxiety that comes with, pardon me, um, that comes with not only the, you know, change in lifestyle, but, you know, my, my not feeling good about, you know, how my body isn't in as much movement as it normally is. Yeah, for sure. So So, I'm sorry, God. No, go ahead. Um, no, no, no. Um, well, it, it, it's it's been an interesting journey. At first, it, it, it was it was pretty tough to, you know, cut out all the comfort foods that I loved. You know, being vegan, 
you know, meant no more cheese and milk and all of those things. So it was a little tough at first, but um, now I am so happy that I'm doing this, even if I don't do it, you know, long term, at least just for the summer, you know, it, it, it's such a right fit. Yeah, definitely. I, I've definitely heard from people during this time that they have done things to either, they're either changing their diet or they're changing how they're moving to kind of get through this period. Um, you know, one of the things that I've been trying to do is just do more yoga inside and I'm like walking around inside the house and stuff in bad weather, <laughs> walking yeah, in place and freaking out my dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, what are you doing? It's tough. This transition was, was not a fun one for so many people. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so your cafe is closed. You said, are you doing any kind of delivery or anything or just staying closed? No, um, we are just staying closed. The cafe is actually on a college campus. Oh, um, okay. But it's, it's, it is open to the public. It's, um, it's in a nice area where, you know, people constantly come and go onto the campus anyway. But um, since the campus closed, um, we decided to just keep the cafe closed. Um, yeah. Which I'm really, really glad that we decided to do. Um, in terms of uh, the other thing that I've been talking to some people about is how, you know, I know that you're intentionally changing your diet. How has it been in terms of getting access to the things that you need to eat the way that you want to? Has that been difficult at all? Or have you had an okay time kind of sourcing the food that you need? Well, I got to say, I'm really glad that, you know, I made the decision to go vegan now and not say, 10 years ago, I, I know so many, so many things have changed. There's so many great products that are available now. And even products that were available, you know, 10, even 20 years ago, they weren't commercially available, you couldn't just go into a target, and, you know, pick up all of these, you know, alternate milks, you know, vegan cheeses yeah. and things. Those were those were considered specialty so many years ago. And it's so refreshing to know that I can just go into Target if I wanted and, you know, grab oat milk and, you know, anything else that I want. You know, um, the only hard part specifically with right now is um, all of the farmer's markets being closed because of COVID. Yeah. I usually go to the farmer's market so that I can just pick up all of my vegetables you know, and there's so many farmers markets up here um, throughout the week. So I don't even have to do, you know, a vegetable run once a week and, you know, do the dance of trying to make sure that you use all of the products before they go bad or, oh, my God, these things are starting to will. You know, I was very lucky to have that. Um, now it's a little tougher. Um, I've noticed, you know, even in the supermarkets, it's a little harder to find um, the fresh vegetables because they're just going so fast. Um, the supply and demand is, you know, thrown off kilter. So um, I've even been resorting to frozen vegetables. Um, yeah. I'm not too happy about that, but I'm, I'm, I'm adjusting and learning how to make it work. So um, honestly, the part that I was the most worried about was, 
you know, how I would feel about completely replacing um, traditional milk, cow's milk with oat milk. And yeah. it's been pretty seamless. I, I, I even enjoy it with cereal. Um, it's, it's, it's been easier than I thought. I really do have to say. <laughs> <laughs> and That's I'm really awesome. thankful for that. I mean, yeah, there's so many good milk substitutes and and I and I love that there's kind of one for whatever it is you're looking for. Um I just put together an ebook a couple months ago and one of the chapters is about different milk substitutes and their mm-hmm. nutritional makeup. Uh so and, and kind of what they might be good for, you know, so canned coconut milk and and oat milk, you know, all the way to rice milk and, and, you know, the thickness and the, <laughs> and, you know, yeah. who might be able to handle it best or whatever. And I just, um, when you were talking about specialty stores, I mean, it sounds like the two of us had really similar upbringings in terms of food, because I, when I was a kid, I went to those health stores that were, you know, in the corner of a strip mall and nobody else was in there. <laughs> it's just like me and my <laughs> exactly. mom, you know, buying buying the weird stuff that my my friends would see in my pantry and be like, what's that? You know, and now it's yeah, you can just get it everywhere. You can just, no matter where you go, you can get that stuff. And it's just so it's so wild to see how that changed. And I remember when we just had soy milk, rice milk, and maybe almond milk. And now, yeah, oat milk is so good. I, oat like, milk is so great. It's so creamy. I, I actually just, so one of the things we've been doing is ordering from Imperfect Foods. And they do, you know, surplus food or vegetables that look a little wonky or they're like too yes, small I love to sell. Them. I actually tried them um last year. Um, yeah. Cool. I was I was working a little bit too much so I I wasn't home enough to actually like use all the products. So I had oh, to stop yeah. for a little while, but now my husband and I are thinking about trying it again since we're pretty much home all the time now. Yeah, they were having a a couple issues with supply at the beginning, Mm -hmm. but it seems like they're starting to regulate and there's always the chance that there's a couple things that we won't be able to get when we order. Um, So they're definitely still in that adjustment period because so many more people are using their service. But we got excited um, because this week we ordered hemp milk and I haven't had hemp milk in a really long time. And mm-hmm. it's like a vanilla hemp milk. I was like, oh, I got to try that. So it's kind of fun there too, because they have a ton of, um, they have a ton of dairy-free friendly products and just special diet friendly products uh, to begin with. This is, I'm not getting paid to say this. Uh, <laughs> I just really like what they do. <laughs> no, uh, it's just amazing stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's kind of fun too, to, to have that shopping experience without, cause we're, we're trying not to go into stores if we can help it. And it's kind of nice to have that shopping experience without going into store. Cause you get to go on the website and you're like, Ooh, what do I want? You know, this week. And we're, it's kind of helped us get more creative too. And I don't know if you've experienced any of that with any shortages, like, all right, time to think outside of the box of what I would normally do. Oh, definitely. Um, 
we've definitely had to, you know, swap out a couple of things here and there when we go shopping because, you know, it's just slim pickings. Um, although over the past few weeks, it has been nice that um, it seems like the stores are getting more of an influx in, in, de- in deliveries. So it yeah. hasn't been as hard. Um, where I live, I live up in the Adirondacks. Um, so I'm pretty far from the nearest major city. So what we learned is, you know, especially, you know, all the way at the beginning and everybody's quarantining and losing their minds and buying out all the toilet paper, (laughs) we decided uh, to just (laughs) forego going to any, you know, large supermarkets. So instead of making those big drives out to, you know, um, a Target or, you know, a Hannaford, you know, a major supermarket, we would instead just go and shop at the small mom and pop um, grocery stores. And they were always full because nobody was going to those. So, you know, it was it was actually nice. Not only did we get to support, you know, small local businesses, you know, doing a little quick Google search and finding all the little, you know, small markets, you know, within a 20 mile radius. But we also, you know, got to shop in relatively, you know, uncrowded stores, which was really nice for us. And we had our pick of so many things that we wanted because everybody was going to the major chains. Yeah, for sure. I've I've experienced that too. We've got a co-op not far from where we are and it's been it's been not too bad to order things from them as well and they seem to have a higher stock of some of the things that they're selling out of in other places. Um, we also have a, a zero waste, uh, store that was set to open up in April. And obviously that's not happening right now. And she's got like, uh, bulk dried things and flowers and, uh, chocolate, vegan chocolate, (laughs) really great coffee. Yeah. And she'll do free delivery within the county if you spend 20 bucks, which isn't hard. And so that's been really nice too. We've been trying to shop there first for whatever we need and then whatever Mm -hmm. we can't get from her, you know? So it's been kind of fun like to get creative, shop small. Yeah. Find those places that people aren't frequenting as much and make sure to give them some love. So I totally get that. Um, so yeah. So you're a chef, but uh, when we first started talking, you said you're a therapeutic chef, and I want to know more about what that means and uh, what you do, what you incorporate with your cooking. Absolutely. So um, with therapeutic cooking, um, it's actually more for um, emotional well-being. Um, than for physical. Um, as I'm not a certified nutritionist, I certainly don't like to um, dole out that kind of advice to people. However, with therapeutic cooking, um, especially now, because everybody's kind of stuck at home, and I've noticed a lot of my friends are starting to get back into cooking in their kitchens. And mm-hmm. I've also been hearing a lot from them that it's been cheering them up. You know, having that normal routine. And um, I like to, you know, explain to them that that's exactly what I do. Um, Lots of people, you know, in one way or another, you know, use 
food or cooking as a form of self-care. And a lot of times they may not even realize that they're doing it. You know, they like, you know, going out to their favorite restaurants, you know, certainly not right now, but, you know, the experience, you know, always cheers them up or the fact that they use food as a gathering technique. So going out to brunch or inviting your friends and family over, you know, it brings that circle of love together over the commonality of what's going on at the table. Or even the rote practice of, you know, doing the same type of um, techniques in the kitchen over and over again. I, I know for a fact that when I go into chopping, I'm almost in a Zen state. It's almost meditative. To totally you know, go through go through all of these things and then know that the outcome is going to be worth all the work. You're going to you know have this beautiful meal. You know once you're done, that is also going to be satisfying. And the one nice thing about cooking is that it does incorporate all the senses. So yeah, you know I like to remind people of that. So when when I work with people who know that cooking is one of their passions, I show them how to use it as a form of self-care. And this just means becoming more mindful, you know, instead of thinking of, you know, cooking as a chore, as we all do sometimes when, you know, we're running around busy, now more than ever is an opportunity for us to be able to kind of slow down and pause and not have that, um, manic sense of, you know, just one more thing in my day that I need, that I have to do. Um, now we can all kind of slow down, appreciate our ingredients, sit and think a little bit ahead of time of, you know, what you want to make. And yeah. being more mindful about not only the process of making the food, but being more mindful of what we're ingesting. I've also heard the same experience from lots of people where, you know, being at home is causing weight gain or, you know, they're feeling depressed and anxious. So they're not cooking well for themselves. Now it's just all frozen meals or things from a can or lots of junk food. So I encourage people to start thinking more about what they're ingesting and thinking about whether or not it's not only good for their bodies, but good for their emotional well-being to have a diet that isn't the healthiest. So we discuss this. Um, we'll even get online, whether it's on Zoom or Google Chat, you know, where we can see each other. We'll do a cook-along together with healthier ingredients you know, in different types of cuisines that they would either like to try or that are just their favorites so that they can start finding more emotional joy and physical health in their kitchen processes. Yeah, for sure. I, What you were saying about self-care, I mean, this is a conversation that I've had. Um, I work with a integrative health specialist and we were talking about how the definition of self-care, it can be so narrow in like contemporary discourse where people just think about it mm -hmm. as stuff like 
bubble baths and you know like I don't know (laughs) you know what I'm saying like you get like pay for a massage and it's like (laughs) yeah that stuff is important it is totally important but I I really think you hit the nail on the head when you were saying you know mindfulness is such a key element in so many pieces of self-care because if you're not being mindful about what it is you're doing then it's not going to serve you in the same way you're just gonna rush through it like we do with so much of our life. And um, I totally agree with you. I, I would say not, I mean, preparing vegetables, I'll, I'll feel that way too. But I'd say baking for sure. That's when I feel myself getting into a, you know, a meditative state where it's like, all right, follow <laughs> these directions and make these muffins. And I'm just like, ah, <laughs> you know, like this is peaceful and I know how to do this. And um Full disclosure, I'm one of the many people on the planet right now who's wrestling with a sourdough starter. And this, <laughs> I, yeah. It's and not this, easy. Hey, no, you know, give yourself, some, give yourself some slack. It is hard. But this morning, uh, I was in a really good mood this morning and my boyfriend was making fun of me. <laughs> but I woke up <laughs> and went downstairs and there were just tons of bubbles in my starter. And it's day eight Ooh. and I'm so happy. And I was like, Oh my God. And he's like, you're going to be in a good mood all day long because of the sourdough starter. I was like, I am. And I was like dancing around the house. And I like, (laughs) I've got it in the, in the oven with the light on, you know, oven off obviously, but with the light on Mm -hmm. and I open up the oven door and I'm like, you're amazing. And I love you and keep being great and close the door. It's like, if that's not (laughs) self-care, getting excited about a sourdough starter. That's a great feeling. Yeah, totally. I always tell people, you know, food is the the human connector. It doesn't matter whether or not you speak the same language. It doesn't matter whether or not you have the same beliefs. When it comes to sitting down to delicious food, it connects everyone. And that's why I love talking about food as self-care, because it's something that everyone can relate to. For sure. Now, one of the things that I talked to somebody else about on another episode was, you know, there we we all have complex relationships with food. And one of the things that one of my other guests was talking about was the danger of equating, or at least in their life, with equating mm-hmm. food with celebration in a way that was unhealthy or feeding emotions instead of tending to emotions, but the way that Mm -hmm. you're framing food is in a totally different way. Like you're using it to take care of yourself. So um, I guess, where do you see those delineations? Or, you know, if you see someone starting to get into the territory of food as maybe unhealthy escape, you know, what, how would you approach that? Well, that is so absolutely common. And I know I've completely fallen into, you know, those bad habits as well, you know, when it comes to, you know, emotional eating. Um, I always first try to remind people um, to beware of mindless eating. Mindless mm-hmm. eating means I'm sitting around, I'm bored, and I'm just going to keep picking up little things and snacking even though I just finished having a meal. So what I do is I 
tell people to start listening to their bodies. Before you get up because you're just saying, eh, let me just go to the kitchen and grab a snack. I'm going to grab some chips. Stop and, and listen to your body. Is your body actually hungry? Is your stomach growling? Has it been a few hours since you've eaten something? Um, if not, then actually being able to pay attention to what your physical body is telling you, as opposed to what your, um, what your emotional mind is, that is one of the first things that, you know, is always good to, um, start paying attention to. And once people start getting into the habit, they're like, huh, oh yeah, I, I, I'm actually not really hungry. So they'll go and, Choose a healthier option. You know, I say, hey, you know, if you, you know, are just into this rote habit of physically picking things up, but your body is not actually hungry, you know, try to swap out. You know, people think, and and this is the thing with dieting and why it never works. You know, you just completely throw out whatever habits you have. You force yourself into this, you know, eating lifestyle that you've never done before, and emotionally. It's not fun. You can't handle it. And that's the reason why, you know, people fall off. What yeah. I want to encourage people to do is to just slowly start swapping out unhealthy habits with healthier habits. And not just because it's physically healthier, but because in the long term, they'll feel emotionally better about it. Maybe not right at that moment, not when you stop and you listen, your body isn't really hungry and now you're making the decision to put down the delicious chips and instead <laughs> you know pick up like you know you're going to eat some almonds instead you know I keep I keep a little stash of sunflower seeds by me at all times because I like having something to constantly snack on um was it as satisfying originally as having muffins no absolutely <laughs> not <laughs> but when I started to notice that my body was responding in a much healthier way to the decisions that I'm making based on my emotional eating habits, um, then something in my emotional eating um, did change. Now, all of a sudden, cognitively, I'm seeing the healthier foods and I'm getting that little twinge of happiness, you know, inside that I would get whenever I saw the junk food. Yeah, and definitely. It's really just a matter of training your brain a little bit, but also seeing the results. You know, when I was a pastry chef, you know, I've never, ha I never had a sweet tooth, but I know I'm still snacking on things the whole day that aren't very healthy. You know, even if it's just a matter of, you know, quality control, once things are baked, I'm going to try a little bit of it to make sure that it's good you know, and I definitely gained weight from that. And once I, once I wasn't, you know, ingesting all of those sweets anymore, I saw that my body started becoming healthier. And then everything just started to click and started to feel a little bit better. So I always do encourage people to, you know, pay attention to their bodies first. And then see what the process looks like for them as they're making their own decisions about what they want to, you know, transition um, as far as their diet. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think 
when you were saying seeing the results, that can be really hard, right? We have we have a hard time perceiving long-term results when we're so focused on instant <laughs> gratification and instant results. Um, and I can't remember, there is like a psychological phenomenon about that, that it's really hard for us as humans to extrapolate and see far ahead into the future. Um, we, we really are bad at doing that and bad at envisioning what that looks like. Um, which is why things like recycling can be hard for people because Mm -hmm. it's hard to get people to think about the next 40 years. Um, but I, I totally agree with you in terms of, you know, changing everything really dramatically versus thinking about those slow, steady, incremental changes. I mean, I, I definitely got caught in that trap plenty of times where, you know, I'd be like, okay, everything's going to change tomorrow. And like everything I was <laughs> yeah. doing, I'm going to do completely different. And, and then, you know, four days in, I'd be overwhelmed by all of the changes that I made at the same time. And I'd go, oh, I can't do this. And I'd beat myself up about it. And I'd just give up because it just seemed too hard. And over the past, I think like year and a half, I've just been making really slow changes and been pretty nice to myself. Like, yeah, it's okay if you had a donut, like whatever. And we had pizza, whatever. It's fine. You're not, you're, and, and I've just kind of been like, you're not like that for, that's not forever. Or, um, one of the books that I just read was Atomic Habits and they talk about, you know, you, you don't just say I'm on a diet. You you say like, I eat healthy, right? And you make it a part of who you are and not, an activity you're doing. And that can really, at least that's been really helpful for me in shifting my mindset. Like I'm, I'm someone who eats healthy food, not I'm on a diet right now. (laughs) Absolutely. And, um, it's, it's interesting, I think, because, um, I think the relationship that I have with food, um, is more unique than, you know, many people, you know, than the way that many people eat mainstream. Um, because I just always was raised, you know, with meals that were made from scratch. And, you know, I'm very thankful for that. You know, not many people, you know, have that opportunity. Um, but when people do come to me and they want to speak about, um, eating and cooking in the therapeutic sense, I always do remind them that, my angle where where I'm coming from is from the self-care and emotional well-being angle. It's not necessarily from the, you know, dietitian, you know, physical health um, angle. And the thing is, when, when I tell people, if you take care of your emotional health first, then your physical health is this amazing byproduct of it. And most people kind of don't really think of it that way. But when I try to, you know, get them more into worrying about feeling good first, then they're like, I understand this. You know, now I'm eating in a way that at first didn't really make me feel good because I had to break these bad habits. Um, But now I'm eating in a way that makes me feel good. 
And now that I'm feeling good, I want to keep feeling good. So now I'm, I keep, I keep, you know, upping the ante. And now I'm at a place where not only am I feeling good emotionally, you know, from what I'm eating, but now I'm starting to see the physical results. And so it's almost kind of working backwards from their point of view, because everybody's thinking, oh, if I lose the weight, I'm going to feel good. You know, if I'm in top physical health, then I'll love myself more. And I try to bring it, you know, right back around and say, no, start with the self-love first and start to see your relationship with food in a much more, you know, holistic, you know, um, feel good, emotionally feel good sense. And then see where that takes you physically. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so what resources would you recommend to people if they were looking to go down that road and kind of reframe their relationship with food or, you know, start looking at food as self-care? I always tell people to start with writing down a list of the things that they like, because you can't just go and throw your entire eating history out the window and all those bad eating habits, or even if some of them were good, and then take on this whole new, um, different way of eating and your relationship with food. Um, it's, it's overwhelming. Yeah. So start with what you like. And if your favorite things to eat are, um, for example, like Italian food, I have a friend who just loves Italian food, you know, um, however, she does not have or didn't have before the time to um, make things from scratch. So it was a lot of eating out. Yeah. And so I told her, start thinking about, you know, ways of being able to carve some time into your schedule where you can say, you know, pasta bolognese is my favorite thing on earth. I would, you know, love to, you know, have that once a week. But eating out is probably double the calories, you know, double the amount of fat, you know, why don't we deconstruct this and find a much healthier way of making it? Yeah. And then there are lots of people who say that, you know, I, I love, I love eating, you know, burgers, but quite honestly, it's not good for me. And I want to, you know, try to incorporate some more vegetarian practices into um, my eating habits. Um, I haven't personally tried it yet, but a lot of people have been telling me that, you know, the, the, um, the Beyond Burgers are actually, oh, yeah. you know, great. Um, so I encourage them to, you know, try that. Um, I go over some recipes for like black bean burgers and some other things that they can try. If that's a little too hard for them, you know, to make that big switch, that's fine. How about, you know, just swap out. How about a turkey burger instead? How about a salmon burger? You know, just like these small things that are going to start bringing them towards their goals. But more importantly, yeah. what are their goals? You know, are your goals based only on your appearance? You know, because if that's the case, you're not going to be able to maintain those results. What you want to do is really focus on, you know, 
eating habits that are making you feel good, that are making you honor your body, and then see where those results take you. Yeah, those intrinsic rewards, right? Yeah, and and it just has to be starting small. Start with what you like, you know. Let's talk about, you know, healthier versions of those recipes for you to make. If you absolutely are not a self-cook or you just absolutely don't enjoy it, that's fine. When you go to the supermarket or get your home delivery kit, um, are you, you know, looking at healthier versions of those products? So that even if you're not cooking, if it's just going to be something you're going to throw in the oven to heat up or in the microwave, you know, is it something that's a little bit more plant-based? Is it something that's not, you know, fried, you know, super fatty foods? You know, there are small ways to just swap it out so that you're eating healthier, which is going to make you feel better you know, which is going to, you know, start to improve your overall well-being. Yeah, definitely. Did you ever um, read Cooked by Michael Pollan? Yes, I have. Yeah, this a lot of what you're saying reminds me of a lot of his advice in the book, you know, um, and that's really stuck with me over the years. Like if you want to, if there's something that you're really craving, if you make it at home, if you recreate it at home, the chances are very good that it's going to be a healthier version right out the gate than something processed or something you can get in a restaurant. Um, Or if you're adding salt to something yourself, you're not going to have it like sodium laden the way a frozen dish is going to be or something, you know, and it's like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Plus you're, it's like, you've really got to want it if you're going to make it from scratch yourself at home. So that even following that one rule, that could make a world of difference for sure. Absolutely. And it actually has been really fun um, over these past few months with uh, staying home, um, speaking to people about um, the the subscription food kits that um, they've been getting in. So now it started with, oh, it's it's just DoorDash every day. I'm just, I'm getting Grubhub <laughs> to the house. And then, you know, doing the math and saying, okay, well, with, with as much as I'm spending on delivery, I could be getting these um, healthier options sent to me. And there are so many services as well that don't even, you know, require cooking. So for the people who, you know, want to eat a little bit healthier, but just won't cook. And that's completely fine. There are services that, you know, I just found um, a vegan service that will just send me already made meals that all I have to do is heat up. And I mean, that's great. Yeah, for sure. There's, um, there's a couple that I've gotten over the years or ones where you do kind of minimal cooking and it comes mm-hmm. together pretty quickly. Like, I don't know if you've ever tried Hungry Root but I've really liked I know their Hungry Root. I haven't tried them yet. Oh, I really like, I haven't done it in a while, but they had really good options for if you don't feel like spiralizing vegetables or, you know, like they'll make, <laughs> they make like butternut squash noodles and beet noodles and all these really good sauces and vegan mac and cheese. And, and it's all really healthy stuff. And I was really impressed with them. Um, 
We also, we've got some local businesses here that they've shifted their business to making meal kits for people. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was really interesting too. Um, a, a friend's wife is, her business has been delivering lunches to healthcare workers and other frontline workers. And oh, then also, awesome. yeah, super awesome. And there's actually a lot of restaurants that are doing that in our city, which has been really inspiring. And she also has been creating these dinner kits. Um, so she's like, hey, if you're out of ideas and you don't know what to do, just come here, pick up a dinner kit. Couldn't be easier. And I just think I think that's awesome. And And they've been very, you know, like just comforting but nutritious meals that she's been putting out and and they've been received really well by my friends. So um yeah, definitely uh, the meal kits are a great option too. So uh I know that so I've been on your website a little bit. Uh I think I told you that before we started recording and <laughs> yeah. it looks like you do a lot of interesting stuff. So uh what what else in in addition to uh therapeutic cooking uh, what other things do you do? Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I specialize in intuitive art, ecotherapy, therapeutic cooking, and yogic meditation as forms of self-care. Um, I'm actually um, going to be going for um, my master's in art therapy. Um, nice. And I've been studying art therapy for quite a couple of years. What I noticed was um, art therapy, it seems right now, especially because it's such a new um, field, they stick to very traditional fine arts-based modalities. So it's painting, drawing, sculpting, you know, small things like that. Um, I was raised as an artist in New York City. I've been in art school since I was a little kid. And what I grew up knowing is that art and creativity isn't just limited to the fine arts. I want to be able to give people lots of different outlets for creativity that are going to allow them to find a fit that works just for them so that they can have their own unique practice for self-care. Um, not everybody wants to paint, not everybody wants to draw, and, and that's completely fine. So when I say intuitive art, I sit with people and talk about what their interests are. I, I crochet with some people, you know, I make jewelry with others. Um, one person is actually teaching me how to embroider, but the fact that we're doing it together and that they're learning to pair this creative outlet with a sense of mindfulness, with using it for, you know, a moment of meditation, and that they're actually putting themselves as a priority and carving out that time during their day to say, hey, this is just for me, even if it's just, you know, 10 minutes, if 10 minutes is all that they can, you know, spare, you know, in a busy home with lots of kids, then that 10 minutes is just for them. And it should be used doing something that, you know, is creatively stimulating and that, you know, when they're done, they're going to have this small piece, you know, the, the outcome is physical. They can actually see it. Um, with ecotherapy, um, 
I, I am in love with being out in nature at all times. And I want to encourage people to be able to have some sort of small green space that they can utilize to um, get a little bit of exercise, get some fresh air. There's so many studies that, that prove that being exposed to nature even five minutes a day not only boosts your well-being, but it, it actually um, improves your, your physical symptoms. So whether it's even just, you know, getting out and just taking a walk around the block if you live in a city or if you're stuck in an office all day. My, my husband works at, you know, a large office, you know, the windows are kind of far away and he was starting to feel bummed out. I just got him a bunch of little plants to keep at his desk. And he said, you know, that it's really been helping. I always encourage people to do that as well. You know, if you don't get to go out much, maybe bringing in some plants. You don't necessarily have to have a green thumb. You just get some, you know, nice, you know, hardy plants that, yeah. you know, <laughs> take care of themselves. I'm not a green thumb. I wish I were. My house is cactus. <laughs> but it feels good to have, you know, that connection with nature, um, even if it's just for five minutes a day. Um, with yogic meditation, um, right now, um, everybody's getting into yoga, but what I'm seeing a lot of in, in social media is all of these rock star women who are able to do handstands and, you know, all of these amazing inversions. Um, but what I want to concentrate on when I speak to people is the why of yoga. Yeah, so totally. We, we speak more about the philosophies of yoga and how they can utilize them in their lives to start living more mindfully and having a more purposeful life. Um, I also noticed that when people understand the why of yoga a little bit more, they're less intimidated by it because they're starting to understand that it's not about how many different positions you can do and whether or not you can do them perfectly. It's about becoming aligned with yourself and listening to your body and being able to, you know, put your body into positions that make your body thrive, that make your body feel good, not some painful twist just because right. everybody else is doing it and you want to be able to achieve it. Definitely. Yeah. I, um, I've been making my way through, uh, the book Light on Life, uh, mm -hmm. The Yoga Journey to Wholeness, Inner Peace, and Ultimate Freedom. Uh, and I love, I mean, all of the chapters kind of cover the different limbs that, you know, you should be thinking about. And I love, I love the idea of it's you, yoga meets you where you are and you're going to go at your own pace. And it's not about other people. It's not about poses. It's not about you know, yeah, like you said, having the right outfit or, you know, doing these handstands or whatever. Um, instead, it's about inner work. And, and I love, I, I love hearing that. That's so awesome. Absolutely. Um, I definitely want to link to the book that you're um, discussing uh, once we're done here. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I would, yeah, it's, oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I was going to say, I would definitely recommend for people um, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Yoga by Deepak Chopra. 
Yes. That one, that one, you know, talks about all the limbs, but then, you know, makes that connection for people so that they're, you know, being more mindful about how they're living yoga every day and not just, you know, about the positions on the mat. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think there is such a disconnect um, in American culture with that for sure. And it's, it's been nice to, it's always useful to find books and, and practices to round things out and make it more holistic. Absolutely. Uh, so another thing that you brought up that I didn't want to lose was talking about, and I totally want to take your quiz on your website after we get off this uh, recording <laughs> to, to learn my, and it's pronounced estite, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. So your estite style, cause I want to see, I want to see what I get. I'm very curious. Uh, I have found that during this self quarantine time, I've been crocheting a ton. <laughs> just like I love any, crochet. <laughs> it's so rewarding. And I just started making a Lotus blanket and it is difficult and it's the smallest yarn I've ever used. And I only started crocheting in December. So I'm still a baby crocheter, but it's been so rewarding to figure out these new patterns and figure out a new project and come up with cool ways to use yarn that I'm finding. My friends have been selling me some and, you know, picking them up at their door and then going, oh, what am I going to make with this? Like it's been, it's been <laughs> so, so cool. Yeah. It's been really awesome. And right before everything shut down, I just started taking weaving classes. Um, mm-hmm. And I was weaving for about six months and my project is probably still sitting on the loom, all dusty, unattended for two plus months. And I can't wait to get back to it whenever I can get back to it. Who knows when that'll be. But uh, crochet has been a really nice because weaving was definitely meditative for me because you're just kind of doing the same thing over and over with your pattern and you're watching it take shape. So I would sit there for two and a half hours and zone out. Yeah. It's just, yeah, crochet is a, is a similar thing. And I've, I've been cross-stitching since I was eight years old. So it's just kind of an extension of all of that stuff. But yeah, fiber art. Like, I don't think I would ever really paint. But fiber arts, I really enjoy. I think they're really fun. So, uh, but I love cooking and baking. So I'm like, oh, I wonder what my style is. I wonder what I'm going to get. So uh, I'm very pumped to take this quiz and if people want to hear more from you or learn more about you, um, tell us more about your website, what you're doing lately, how you want to connect with people, all that good stuff. Absolutely. So anybody who wants to learn a little bit more about um, my business, it's called Modern Estate. And um, my website is just my name. It's VanessaOpalJune.com. And, um, yeah, I just have, um, a website that has, um, some information on all of the modalities that I specialize in. Um, I actually offer, um, free IG live, um, workshops, um, so that people can kind of see how I work and what I do. Um, and especially now everybody just kind of needs that little bit of an outlet, um, so that they can do things and it, and it has to be free. It has to be accessible. 
I mean, even even I'm out of a job temporarily right now, so I understand that. So being able to, you know, offer some services, you know, for free to the community is very important to me. Um, you can also find me on Instagram. Um, it's also at Vanessa Opal June. And um, I'm most active there, honestly. So I just always tell people to go there if they're looking for um, anything that I do on social media. Um, I do lots of um, inspirational conversations there. Um, every month I have a different intention that we concentrate on. Um, we're just about done with May and the intention for May was acceptance, both internal acceptance, which is, you know, self-love and examining negative self-talk, but also external acceptance, which was the toughest for all of us at this moment when, you know, we feel like we are not in control of so many mitigating situations. Um, we're going to be getting into um, our June um, intention, which is going to be emergence. So I'm really excited about that. Cool. And um, yeah, that's everything. Um, if anybody ever has any questions, please feel free to, you know, drop me a DM or send me an email. Um, I always love speaking to people, you know, and giving them some, you know, good starting points to finding a self-care technique that works uniquely for you. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll put all the links to your website and your social channels in the description of the podcast so people can access it easily. But once again, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I feel like we could talk for hours and hours. <laughs> oh my God, yes, please. As soon as you said crochet, I was like, oh, this is like a whole nother conversation right I know. there. <laughs> I know. Well, and it's, I've been trying to figure out ways to incorporate my crafty side into my blog and everything. So this is just another sign that I need to talk more about crochet, I guess. <laughs> well, absolutely. Um, they, they really are all connected, you know. Um, yeah. You're very much like me where you have multiple interests. So, you know, Modernist Seed is that product where, you know, I love art and I love crafts and I love cooking and I love nature. And how the heck am I going to put them all together and make it into something that I can put to human service, you know? Yeah. And that's Definitely. what you're doing right now with your podcast and your website. So, <laughs> you know, even though crochet is not food related, I would say that it is definitely one more thing that, you know, makes people feel good, you know, especially, you know, having an opportunity to have a creative outlet. Yeah, it's all health related. And really, you know, the goal of this podcast was to help expand our notions of health and how we think about it and how we think about that with food and just other parts of our lives. So, so thank you for helping me expand that circle just a little bit more. <laughs> yes. I love that. And I love what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Well, like I said, everybody, I'll, I'll post links to VanessaOpalJune.com and uh, her Instagram and her other social channels so that you can find her easily. And until next time, take care of yourself Stay safe, take care of others, and I'll talk to you soon.